from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. We're very much a pro-chicken-finger show. I'm trying to deliver a serious message. Just listen. You're not going to like him when he's angry. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Cofield and Company, Finley Toyota Studios. It's a Monday. A lot to recap from the weekend with the now Final Four as we went through the Street 16 and the Elite Eight. We'll get to that. Hopefully track down a uh, Mountain West Conference coach a little later in the hour to break things down for us. Lots more on VGK. That was a season-saving win. Uh, Sean McDonough said biggest goal of the year scored by Daddy to finish things off. So we'll get to that as well. And a lot more on the Raiders because we've heard from now Mike Mayock the last couple of days, Josh McDaniels on Derek Carr, and also Chandler Jones all coming up in Big Five. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. Did you think that uh, Will Smith during the Oscars should have been ejected? You know what? If you're going to get an award after the smack, well, guess what? You're not going to be here. Why was he allowed to stay after violently attacking another person? Well, you think most places, if you're at some sort of event, if you walk on stage and hit somebody? Right. You just get the scope sit back down? Probably, what? probably take you out. No, I mean, they would if you if you got the smack Seth Davis like it sounded like you wanted to about twenty minutes ago, college basketball insider math over your math argument. Math's not funny. <laughs> I mean, you're hilarious. It's math. Math's not, not really, funny. That's really supposed to be funny. If you smack Seth Davis, uh, you'd be ejected, and I would be like, "That's one. That's math." That'd be good. Keep math <laughs> out your mouth. You, you. I think you'd be ejected. By the way, it also reminds me, and sorry to just. Use my tweets as the show material, but I, I was well, at, I normally don't mind, don't but we we were going like two minutes, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. The audience doesn't either, but I know in in the mind of Adam Hill, there's something always happening. Well, I was at I was at a uh, I was at a club downtown this week. Here we go. And there was a guy being he was being escorted out, um, and he was it's actually like a half karaoke, half club. It's a very cool spot. Uh, he was being escorted out. And they're like, yeah, hey, you, you can't come back in here. He's like, why? Was like, well, sir, like, once you threaten to kill somebody, we can't really right. have you on property anymore. And his response, which I thought was brilliant, was, hey, bro, that was hypothetical. Which I was like, that's great. Po- that's a great point. <laughs> I, I think that, that's as good of an answer as you could possibly have in that situation. If you, if you were like, well, if you do this, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, that's, that's not really a threat. That's, that's hypothetical. Um, but With, that, guy, uh, that guy was kicked out. Yeah, he, he got wasn't allowed out. to stay. He, that was a hypothetical death threat. This is a real punch or slap. Yeah, the, he the, should be kicked out. The Will Smith thing has turned into, do we need to solve things through violence? A lot of relationship talk. Are you actually being chivalrous by backing your woman, by going and slapping someone? Are you being an ass by doing it? All that stuff's come out. It's become a, a much bigger discussion. Stephen A. was very, very worked up about it. To go up on stage and slap Chris Rock like that, he's lucky he didn't get his ass kicked, particularly after the event was over. If not by Chris Rock, to the fellas he had there with him. I mean, damn, Denzel and Bradley Cooper and Tyler Perry having to calm you down, your publicist having to run out and and calm you down. I mean, damn, come on, bro. So does does Chris Rock have an entourage that hangs around him, or is he just talking about general friends? Like, was Judd Apatow going to come out with, uh, I'm trying to think who are the other, like the whole Sandler crew comes out? And then they start beating up Will Smith, or does he actually have like bodyguards that would have roughed him up? What is he talking about? I don't. I don't know. 
I don't know who was going to. I didn't. I, didn't do I like. It. You're lucky you didn't get your ass kicked by who? Carlton. Wait, it's Carlton on. Is that what this whole beef is? Carlton has Carlton defected to Rock. the Rock Chris Rock side? Maybe. And Will Smith's been had kind of pent up anger about it. I said earlier. I think the best the best jokes I heard on Twitter were people talking about the new serious right. Bel Air, which is <laughs> which if it's anything hilarious. like this, I'm in. <laughs> for if sure. There's, if there's relationship angst that's gone on for 20 years, and Chris Rock's comedy is sending him over the edge. I did see Chris Rock going. Did he mock, he mocked on? Was it Jada Pinkett didn't show up to the 2016 Oscars, and he used a joke like, uh, well, I'm going to screw it up. So I'm going to screw it up. I won't even do it. Your, we should have pulled the audio. Your comedic chops. No, I know uh, I'm going to screw it up. Basically, the crux of it was, you weren't invited. You didn't boycott. You weren't invited here. Should we? It was something we, like, I wasn't invited into the you know the pants of Rihanna. Should, <laughs> like, same, like I, I didn't boycott her. She never invited me. Should we point That's out not that? That's not me. That was Chris should we point out that Will Smith has apologized, or does not matter? He has apologized, but I mean, it's what's the beginning of the apology? Stupid. He said he got emotional. No, he said he said violence in all forms is poisonous and destructive. My behavior last night was unacceptable and excusable. Jokes at my expense are part of the job, but a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. Okay, like to, no, no, the joke was too much to bear, and I reacted emotionally. No, you reacted by laughing. <laughs> right, he laughed at right. first, yeah, and then he got emotional when he got a look like, "Oh my God, I'm dead." I have to go hit someone to to satisfy her. He said, I do want to apologize to Chris. I was out of line and wrong. I'm embarrassed, and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. All right. There's no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. He also apologized to the Williams family for taking their moment because he's like, I'm supposed to be representing Richard Williams, and I acted like this. That so. and also uh, Questlove got up, and I I mean, I don't know if he got caught up in the moment, but he had, he had did I say the wrong person? What, what didn't they say? Like, uh, he had not. He, had, he, just got, he, he, just, he couldn't finish. He, really, he couldn't even think clearly. Well, I think because Chris Rock was so thrown off, he was like, and the winner is Questlove and four white dudes. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, I noticed that. Was that a joke? <laughs> no, I think I think Chris Rock was still like, it was, but I think he was just like so like. I thought that was a joke. I, I was think like, he was well, so flustered. Okay. <laughs> he was just like, and then Ed, as Questlove is trying to give his speech, then Chris Rock is off to the side, probably huffing and puffing and mumbling. <laughs> like, I just got smacked. It wasn't good. All right, number four. Number four. Big announcement, big announcement. Not only is Detroit getting the draft in 2024, we get the Lions on Hard Knocks. We love Hard Knocks. We love Hard Knocks. I And we're and, and we've gotten more critical over the years. You gotta deliver. So Jared Goff is back on. More importantly for you. Kristen Harper's back who on. Who is? His girlfriend. Okay. Who had a very, very minor role last time, but stole the show, clearly. Uh now her fame has exploded. I feel like she's going to be an even bigger part this time around. But How could know, she not be? But you know who the star of the show is going to be? Dan Campbell. Right. Dan Campbell, because he's big galoot, who's kind of crazy. Kind of? I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm curious. I just know that whole coffee explanation of what he was drinking. Like I was blown away by it, and I drink a lot of coffee. What about kneecaps? Well, the bite, not the kneecaps. I forgot about that, too. It's going to happen. There's a lot of kneecap jokes this morning after the announcement. And you know what? I will sound cheesy again because earlier I said people should watch the Oscars because you're watching people achieve and celebrate and you get to learn about other people. That wasn't received well in here. No. I like that the city of Detroit will get the spotlight. I root for Detroit. Well, will it? Or will it be a punching bag? It's a good question. Because I did notice as much as Miss Harper... Tweeted about Detroit and her love for Detroit during the season. 
the day after the season was over, she was back at the beach in L.A. Yes. So, I mean, I feel like... Do you think you're going to do all of her shots in L.A.? <laughs> Maybe. No, I'm saying she'll be She's back there. She's not going to be on a beach in Lake Michigan? No, when he's back, he'll, you know, they'll, she'll be back there, but I, I'm sure they'll be like, hey, Detroit's cool during the season, but, you know, LA is a little better. I, I think a lot of people, like a lot of players will say, there'll be a lot of people, the first episode, the first 15 minutes, is going to be players moving back to Detroit because none of them stayed there during the offseason. I think that's going to be the first Look at episode. all melancholy that are back. They're like... Uh, back to Detroit. But at least it'll be September. It'll be nice weather. August. No, July. End of July, I guess. <laughs> Even better. Even better weather. Will it be nice weather? Yeah. yeah it's gonna, there's a lot of mosquitoes, a lot of humidity. So maybe it's not going to be that. Is there a team you would have liked to have seen instead? No, Detroit was my number one choice. I mean, I think no, Miami would be. Yeah, Dolphins. Tremendous. Yeah, Mike McDaniel. Tremendous. I'd be all in. When does he get on the straight and narrow and really start concentrating on the football season? I would hope never. Come on. I think once training camp starts, he'll probably flip the switch. Right Seahawks? Now, just, a candidate? Life. You no. wouldn't want to see the Seahawks? I mean, who's going to be there by then? Who do you want? Pete well, Carroll's not enough? No, but I'm saying, like, I mean, they they – are going to trade DK Metcalf and probably lock it, right? I mean, they have to at this point. What are you? Why are you keeping them? You're, you're not. You're not trying. Why are you? Why would you keep them? Why would you sign Metcalf to a long term extension if you're not trying to win? Would you change your your mind if they signed Kaepernick? Yes, that would change yeah. everything. But here, but here's the problem. I want hard knocks for every team. So you're like, which team do you want? All of them. I, I I've said this before. I want. Every training camp documented and just throw it all up on a streaming service and we can watch them all. All right. So in season, they do a hard knocks. What good oh, yeah. team do you want? Because, you know, a lot of the good teams are ineligible. I mean, I'm still going back to Miami, right? I mean, that's that's the team I want. I would. So you want to follow Miami? You want the Lions to be preseason hard knocks, Miami in season? Yes. Yeah, I'm in for that. You sure there's not a crazier situation? Because the Colts wasn't really crazy. Well, the, and the, the in season is not ever. Good. I love the in season one, but it's never going to be as good as the preseason one because you're not gonna you're not gonna reveal a lot. I mean, they did they did a little bit after games, right? So like mm-hmm. the the stuff about Buffalo being inconsistent and the quarterback turning the ball over was after the game. They didn't show it like before the game, which I would have preferred. But they're not going to do that. But they're not gonna they're not gonna allow. They're not going to allow like a lot of great stuff to get out during the season when they're preparing for teams. And obviously, you have like a division opponent; you're going to have to play them a lot. Like they're not going to allow that much stuff to get out. They don't in the preseason either. Um, but the, yeah, I, I, I want to see what Mike McDaniel is like in the locker room. Doesn't everyone? That that's the that's the question of you know that people have said. Like, is he going to be able to be a, a normal person as a coach, or is he going to be this weirdo that we keep seeing? In Did interviews? you see the picture of all the head coaches yeah. at the owners' meeting? Yeah. He looked ridiculous. Well, I'm sure it's this was... giant picture of I don't even know if all the coaches were there. Um, anyway, he's on the, the bottom right, off to the side. He's like off. To, he's not even like close to the coach he's next no. to. Like he just does not look like he belongs. Well, he may not have been focused. We're gonna keep going with this, huh? I mean, he yes. did. He did sound freaking high as a kite on McAfee <laughs> show a couple weeks ago. Number three. It's hard to deny that Chandler Jones. I'm not gonna make a, a high segue. Spoke to serious XM. Synthetic stuff. It was synthetic, yeah. That's what we hear. Uh, Join the Raiders, free agent deal. He talked about uh, you know just dealing with free agency, having some freedom. 
No, this process is, it was a fun process, honestly, uh, going through everything. Like I said, I weighed options, uh, the process of weighing the options and having the choice to go where you want to go opposed to being picked. Uh, the tables are turning and it was fun this time, honestly. He's also excited to join forces with one Max Crosby. The team success quarterback, obviously, you know, having familiarity with the front office and obviously to have the opportunity to rush with the best up-and-coming defensive end in the, in the NFL. And the best, Max Crosby. I mean, I've I've been watching his game, cutting up tape with him before I was his teammate. So now that we're in the same room, I mean, huh, that's dangerous. The best or the best up-and-coming? He corrected himself I think, there. I think he's saying, because did he say one of the best up-and-coming? And he said the best up-and-coming? Or did he okay. say the best? I don't know. So I think he means the best up-and-coming. Have you talked to him before? Who, Chandler? Yeah. yeah well, casually? Before, before he was in the NFL, for sure. Yeah. Anything like John? John's the uh, the former UFC champion. Yeah, not really. I, f- I mean, I feel like they're very different. Now, John did move to Arizona, and I would assume is now going to move to Las Vegas. Oh, so boy. I, I think they're fairly close. That's awesome. Great. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, John, uh, when John and his fiance broke up a couple months ago, he moved to Arizona to be closer to Chandler and to train there. Oh. And there's plenty of gyms here, so I'd imagine we'll see him here. Probably hanging around. So, I I mean, they're different personalities. You know, a lot of people, when you see brothers, like, they're not necessarily the same, but they're close. (laughs) Sorry, I was just doing a scan of the room. Trying to figure it out. What? (laughs) Making sure it wasn't around? No, no, I just meant brothers, if they're similar. I feel like you, (laughs) I feel like the Hills and the Jones, like, share similarities about No, maybe one brother doesn't need to live in Vegas. Sure possible <laughs> well you can speak to the experience i thought of you yesterday at a, at a random lunch <laughs> sorry because someone someone was talking about a mirror breaking and they put the mirror into a garbage can uh all the pieces and they couldn't move it because it was too heavy and i immediately thought of you why didn't you guys it's have a, a kitchen table that got broken that was all glass sure and i, I remember the, the trash can weighed like 500 pounds yeah, had to drag it out to the that's what i remember <laughs> and then just having to think about the trash guys coming by and like trying to throw it into the now did they I have help the or did i just one. mock from a distance there's no mocked. way i helped did i no nah, i think you mocked from a distance did i bring a hand truck god no i felt like i should i had a hand truck in the in the equation i don't think so i maybe, just watched and left yeah i think so so i made a connection yesterday through your Goofy story. Not to say that had anything to do with your brother or John Jones. Oh, but, or violence but, and alcohol. and Sure. I get it. Number two. By the way, it is cool that Chandler Jones is on. If he's if he's as productive as he's been and he's on the straight and narrow, it is an awesome addition. Sure. And, and that duo, as good as Ngakwe is, uh, Chandler Jones is just another level. And Now, you, you have some real challenges to figure out who the hell you're going to block and who you're going to help on. I think that was the plan. Number two. Sorry, continued three. Let's move on to two. Mike Mayock spoke to Dan Patrick, uh, said he was kind of bored now trying to figure out what he's going to do. He's a former GM of the Raiders, and he said he had some NFL opportunities. Hell, if he just wants to walk down the road and coach you know, high school kids, uh, he can do that. But he knows he wants to stay involved in football. But really the biggest part of the conversation was right at at least the clip that we saw on the Dan Patrick show was Dan coming out of the gates with the question, hey, why aren't you the GM anymore? Why are you no longer the Raiders GM? I, I think um, when I got there, there were a four and twelve team, and then we went seven and nine, eight and eight, and ten and seven, and we were on the nine in the playoffs 
with 35 seconds left with four shots to tie Cincinnati, who went to the Super Bowl, which kind of shows you how close the NFL is, right? Um, why am I not that? Yeah. So he restates it. And then from there, he basically says, hey, it's Mark Davis's choice. I guess he didn't think Basachi and I had done a good enough job. I wrote. And that he thought someone could do a better job. Someone else could do a better job. So there's a lot lost in there. And I'm not sure. Do we get on Dan Patrick for not following up on, on no. the question? Because he, clearly no, say- these guys are buddies. He's going to want to use them down the road. But there's there's a point to doing an interview. Like, let's try to get to something here. Why are you gone? And maybe maybe Mike Mayock doesn't take the high road after that and gets after. I mean, I, there there's a lot of opportunities there, and and Mayock is very savvy, so I think he would dance around most of it. Because oh, yeah. he did ask a question about. There was a follow up question about, hey, when was the last time you talked to John Gruden? And you'd love to go down that rabbit hole as well. Like, as you said earlier, hey, Mike, you, you're not there because of guys like Arnett because you whiffed so many times in the first round. Did you make those picks, or was that Gruden? Sure. Well, I'll, like that, I'll that say... like that, like who had who had who had final say on the picks? Just something along those lines, because this is again, I will defend Mark Davis. This isn't some irrational dude who was like, "We're good, but we can do a lot better." No, like, I think it's part of it, but it wasn't just some decision out of nowhere. There were contributing factors and not good signs with the way you were building the club from a character standpoint and just a football judgment, judging personnel standpoint with all the bad first-round picks. I think three things. One, this is why he did a national interview and not a local. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, um, he one of the things he did ask, which I thought was a good follow-up, was if you had converted and beat the Bengals, yeah. are you still the coach? And his answer was, you're going to have to ask Mark. So, I mean, th- there was at least some follow-up, and there was no – that was the full answer. You're going to have to ask Mark. That was that was it. That was the full thing. And uh, we should point out, this was at the end of a very long interview. He didn't mention the Raiders until, like, three-fourths of the way through the interview. This was not about him being dismissed from the Raiders, which I think would have been a lot of follow-ups. He asked him a lot about the, the draft prospects. <laughs> he was asking about Malik Willis. He was asking about a couple other quarterbacks. Um, he was asking, what do you do if you're – the Browns of Baker Mayfield. He was kind of using him as like a. I mean, that is that is commonplace. You bring on people who got fired, and that's why that's why they're not going to do local spots, right? Because they're going to be asked about the local situation, right? So you can kind of get away from it doing a national spot. Yeah. So he he was bringing him on as like his his draft insider, right? And then he just threw in the Raider stuff at the end. Interesting. But of course, we here in the market just wanted the, the Raiders. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, Raider Nation Radio will get them on pretty soon, our sister station, and ask them some uh, hard hitting stuff. Uh, coming up, we'll get to what happened this weekend with the Vegas Golden Knights. The Danoff was back and back in a big way. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570 9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Get back into the Final Four. Adam, Steve, ESPN, Las Vegas. It looked like a, an upset laden Final Four was on the way, or at least Cinderella laden Final Four was on the way, and then all of a sudden we look up. We Not Cinder- so much. Cinderella, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, well... This year, I guess, but you know, in name, no. North Carolina, Duke, Villanova, and Kansas. 
wanted to lean on a coach who's got real expertise to break down what we just saw, what we will see. Uh, also talk some Mountain West and uh, Nico Medved from Colorado State's nice enough to give us a couple minutes here on a Monday. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're good. What are you up to? I assume uh, right now is uh, Armageddon for most college coaches figuring out what you have and who you need to go get. It's funny, like, people will say, oh, coach, your season's over. God, are you enjoying some downtime? And I just start laughing. Like, I actually you get more downtime during the season sometimes because <laughs> uh, um, at least it's just, you know, it's practice, it's game planning, it's, you know, doing all that stuff. But, yes, yeah, obviously – you know, spring recruiting and your team and helping them is such a huge part of it. So, yeah, really the next, you know, the six weeks after your season's over is really, really busy. And so that's kind of what we're in the in the midst of right now, but that is part of the, uh, of the deal. After the season, do you meet with every kid on the roster? Yeah, I think I, absolutely. You meet with everyone. You kind of talk about, you know, uh, um, reflect a little bit, talk about what they what they've learned and, how you can help them grow in a, in a plan moving forward. And, uh, and even the guys that are graduating or in some cases, maybe testing the waters of professional basketball and, you know, helping them work through all those things. And then in some cases, you know, young man may be looking for a different opportunity and what that looks like. And so, yeah, I think that's a lot of times that's a first order of business is kind of, you know, looking at your own team and looking how can you help your current guys right now. And then obviously, you know, you get right into spring recruiting. You're in a um, tricky is probably not the right word. You're in an interesting position where a lot of coaches get into this when they have great players like David Roddy. Um, like, how do you feel about these situations when you'd love to have a guy back, but you also want to be honest and do what's best for the kid? It all starts there. I mean, you're talking about it's our job and my job to do what's best for the guys in your program. And David is such an incredible person. And it's a great opportunity for him. I mean, the way that I look at this is this is a win-win for everybody in the sense of he gets an opportunity to go test and, you know, see where he falls. And if it falls in the place where, you know, it makes sense for him to go pro hack, the guy's playing in the NBA. That is awesome for him. It's, I think it's great for our program uh, to have a guy do that. And if not, he gets to come back. And so I, I, I think it's a win-win. And, yeah, obviously, selfishly, it'd be great to have him playing for us for us next year. I get that, but ultimately, it's really a it's a win win for everybody. And so I'm excited for him to go through this. And you know, everybody's got challenges. I'd rather have challenges where guys are testing uh, the pro waters and go, "Hey, that means you're doing something right." Do you have to have like two separate plans going into this process of? you know, what you do if he, he leaves versus what you do if he comes back? Or do you just look at it as, hey, we're going forward, and if he comes back, that's just kind of icing on the cake for us? It's kind of all you can do, you know? I mean, you really can't, you know, if somebody ends up making that decision, it's usually, you know, towards the middle or end of May, you know, when they determine that they're going to come back or go at that point in time. Obviously, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for you to, to add a player, but it's pretty late. And so I think you just kind of take it as it goes, and hopefully what you're banking on is, you know, you've also got other guys in your program who continue to get better and grow and build, and you're continuing to recruit now. And um, I think that's all you—that's all you can do, you know. And, and that's something that's a decision that's made in May. And but you know, it, it's hard to have contingency plan for a guy that's that good and that meaningful as far as immediate impact. But but you're—I listen. No matter what's going on, you're always thinking about the future in your program. And so, regardless of. David were to come back uh, um, or he goes to the pros, 
um, you're still always looking forward with what's next. The, the first thing Steve said when, when you came on was he called it kind of Armageddon right now is, is what it is in college sports. It has been the last couple of years, guys in and out of the portal all over the place. Like from the outside, it looks like chaos. Is it chaos, and is it is it more difficult now than a few years ago to, to be a college basketball coach? It's chaotic. There's no <laughs> question about that. Uh, um, it's very chaotic. A lot of things are happening really, really fast and uh, fast and furious. And, and, you know, it's always been challenging to be a, a coach. And I, I think you have to continue to evolve as the times evolve. But I think there's been so much that's come on the docket here in the next in the last few years that's been new. And I think a lot of it's positive, not all of it's positive, but I think for all of us, for coaches and players, there's usually kind of a normalization period, right? For all of us trying to figure out what this all means uh, um, for people. And I always tell guys like, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Uh, um, you know, and I think like sometimes it's just like, well, I can go into portal. Why not? Or you know, I can go take another job or I can, that doesn't mean it's always the best thing for you, and I think everybody's different. But um, so yeah, there, there's a lot to sort through here, and it is pretty chaotic. But it kind of is what it is, and you just try to keep a, a calm, level head about it. And you know, I, my my thing is you got to evolve with the times, but that doesn't mean you have to change who you are. So that's kind of the way we look at it. Nico Medved, the uh, head coach, of Colorado State, is up with Cofield and Company. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of stories of kids going in the portal and then finding out, wait, I don't have anywhere to go, and now they just lost their scholarship. Uh, unfortunately, there is yeah. a lot of that, yeah. you know, and and uh, you know, typically, I, I think that again, people maybe think it's a good idea, or maybe you know, assume that there's going to be opportunities, and then they find that maybe the opportunities aren't what they thought they were, and. You know, recruiting, it, it's for both of us, for prospects and players. You know, there's there's more scholarship offers out there than there are scholarships available, and that goes vice versa. Kids have multiple offers, too, and I think those things don't always last forever, and just because somebody is calling you doesn't mean they're, you know, it depends on how serious they are. And I, I, I do think it's, it's helped a lot of young men, uh, um, so there's no question there are a lot of positive stories there, too, but that's not always the case. You know, it, it has been a negative, and for a lot of people, they probably look back on it and say, man, I, I, I had a really good situation. You know, I, I probably shouldn't have left. And But, you know, that, that's for that's for people to, to sort through, and I think the longer we go through this um, and people get more and more information, I think it's not just on the prospects. It's on colleges, too. You know, a lot of times we have to make better decisions on on who we recruit and who we think is a good fit for our program. So it's unfair to put it all on the process. I think we all have a, a part to play in this. So the Mountain West had a tough time in the NCAA tournament. It got bashed heavily for a couple of days there. As a coach in the conference, what do you think? Is it silly to judge NCAA tournament performance and then project it to, hey, that conference is not good? Well, I, I was hoping you guys weren't going to ask me about that. <laughs> you were just going to ignore that, right? Like, being there. You know what? Like, listen, I, I think there's a couple ways to look at it. Number one, absolutely. Like, you know, we, we've got a great league, but, but we, we need to have some success in the NCAA tournament. I mean, we need to go out there and win. I think at the same time, you know, you got to understand, like, the NCAA tournament, it's, it's basically every game is game seven. It's one game. And, and, and I think in this year's case, I think a lot of times the best team doesn't always win. It's the team that plays best that day, and anyone can beat anyone on a given night. Um, if you play the best of five series, I think it looks different, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's hard to beat a team, but that's not the way it works. That's also what makes it great for the fans. But, you know, it was disappointing that none of us could win. 
But I think it's it's a mistake to draw too much on a one-game situation. That, oh, well, the Mountain West wasn't very good. Come on, man. Like, I, I've been around here and doing this a long time. This league is tremendous, and it's only going to get better and better. And, and and I think that, you know, the NCAA tournament is decided about what you do in the regular season in your conference tournament. It's not decided next year based on if you did well in the NCAA tournament. Not every year is a new year. And I think that our league is going to continue to get multiple bids. I think it should. I think it performed that way. Um, we were held to the same standard as everybody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Getting yeah. into the tournament. And, and, and just because we lost to Michigan uh, doesn't mean that we didn't deserve a sixth seed. That's ridiculous. I mean, just look at what goes on all over the country there in the tournament. So uh, I'm really high on the Mountain West. I think it's going to continue to get better and better. And it was disappointing, and we do need to win. Um, but if somebody thinks that somehow – that means that the league wasn't very good. I think that's ridiculous. Coach, are you saying that four months is more important than 40 minutes? That's crazy. Jeez, <laughs> I mean, just, listen, I understand that. Just, I mean, we've all been through this. The hardest thing to do is to have success in your league. Yeah. I mean, year in and year out, to be really good in your league is really hard to do. And the programs that are able to do that, I mean, I'm really proud of the fact that we went 14-4 and four in the Mountain West the last two seasons. That's hard to do. Yeah. And when everybody knows each other and you're doing, you know, if we didn't have to play UNLV twice, we might have been better. Uh, um, that's a joke, but they're the ones they kicked our butt. Yes. But that is very, very difficult to yeah. do. And, and you've got to be judged at what you do over the course of the long haul. Just because somebody wins on this stage right now, that's awesome for them, but that doesn't, um, that, that, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden they're better than what they did yeah. over the course of an entire season. I don't buy that at all. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're speaking to to Mountain West defenders for sure here on on the show. Uh, but I I, yeah. I just want to make sure that are you you're confident that that's not held against the league in the room next year, right? I think there's going to be that narrative, guys. I I I don't. I mean, I I, I think that they're going to go into it with the next, and they're going to look at what you actually did this year. It's not just. Next year's NCAA tournament will be decided by the teams who play well from November until March. And that's what it should be. You know, whether that, I mean, look at Wyoming and, you know, Wyoming wasn't in the conversation last year, right? They were in the conversation because of what they did this year, and they should have been. And it's no different uh, uh, next year. Um, And just because we were good last year doesn't mean we got to go out there and earn it again by how we play and who we beat. Uh, But no, I, I don't that that will will be the case. I, I, I really don't. I think it's, it's going to be based on the same metrics, and you're always going to have, right, when you get down to it, the last eight to ten teams, so people can argue about should they be in, should they not be in. But it's going to come down to how does the Mountain West perform in the non-conference? Do they put themselves out there? Are they able to win some games and, and do that? And then how do they perform then when they get into league play? And and uh, that's what I think it will always be judged on. And, and, and I, I – Maybe I'm maybe I'm in the minority, but I do have confidence in the people in the room that they'll do the right thing. Well, we have good news for you. Bryce Hamilton just made it official. He's going to the NBA. Oh, thank God! I think <laughs> I, I tried to coax him after I half joke but man, what right. a what a tremendous score! I mean, I tell you what, he is as hard of a cover uh, um, as there is, and and uh, he he's going to do great. And um, Kevin's doing a great job out there too. UNLV is going to continue to 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 be good and get stronger and stronger, but. Um, I can't say that I'm going to. I'm not going to miss guarding him. I'll tell you that. No, he was uh, he was kind of tough, and especially against you guys. And up there this year was just outrageous. Pretty much everything he threw up was going in, especially from deep. 
God, you're bringing up a lot of bad I know, I know. know. Right after the good year, but it was. It was an incredible performance. And Yeah, he's just one of those guys, man. When he got into a rhythm, very, very difficult to to stop. So, yeah, he's going to have a heck of a pro career. Coach, uh, there are some games coming up this weekend. I just wanted to get your thoughts on a team like Villanova who only plays six guys and one got hurt. How difficult of an adjustment is that? And what do you, what should we look for out of Villanova to try to compensate for that? That's that's a really tough question. You know, I I uh, people ask me, you know, I say who I thought was going to win, and I said, well, whoever I pick, you can almost guarantee you they won't win. But <laughs> I really liked Villanova. I really liked the way they were playing, and I really thought they had a great chance to to win it all. Just the way they were built, the culture that they have. Um, but losing Justin Moore, that 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 is tough for them, and uh, to try to overcome that. You know they're going to do what they do. Um, they've got so much belief in their system. And, and I usually what happens in those situations, I bet that they really pull together and play their tail off against Kansas. You know, I just I, that's just kind of the way that these things go sometimes. And people really rally. And Jay's as good of a coach as there is in the country. Will they have enough to beat them at the end of the day? Man, that's going to be tough. But as we've learned, you know, in a one game situation, anything can happen. I just don't know that they're going to be able to win two. I just don't know that that's going to be the case. Can you talk about Coach K and contributions to the game and a chance here to go out with the uh, storybook ending? I'm a I'm a huge fan of his, and I know he can be controversial <laughs> for some guys, but I just, you know, following him and have had an opportunity to, to bring my teams there to play him and to do that and I just have so much respect for what he's meant to the game and he's truly a, a legend not in, in college basketball coaching but coaching in general and one of the biggest things I admire about Coach K is how he's evolved without changing. I think that Coach K teaches and believes in the same things he always has and has a standard that's never changed but he's grown with how he communicates that with his players and what he does and how he approaches them and he's just one of those rare guys that can you know, hold people accountable and hold people to a standard that he believes in over the course of his career, but he's evolved in the way that he's done it. And I think that's really the key for longevity, you know, in this business. And I just think he's done it better than anybody. And um, it, w- it would be a really cool story to see him go out on a high note. And there's probably some people who can't wait to see him lose, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, coach, like that way, but Coach, you're talking to a Las Vegas audience. No, we do not want to see him win. We can't <laughs> see this. Little I know. <laughs> What's oh. funny is I grew up a, I grew up a Rebel fan when they uh, when they were so good back in the day with Tark and all those guys and uh, um you know you don't want to bring up a sore subject but you know, I'll never forget the game when when Duke beat those guys you know in, in that game and so I I uh, um but I am I, I'm a big fan of Coach K and, and just kind of what he's meant to the game and as you guys know I mean the game's going to change you know a lot of these giants of the game that are that are moving on and yeah. it's up to to so many other people to continue to carry that torch and make college basketball great. And I'm biased, but I think it's, this is such a great time of, of, of the year. And um, um, it's going to leave a big void in our sport. I'll tell you that. Well, congrats on a great season. Congrats on your contract extension. And uh, I hope you get David Roddy back and you guys will be a powerhouse again this coming year. Well, we're, we're looking forward to it and I'm excited for the mountain West and hopefully we continue to grow and get better. But, but uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thanks for the time. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Yep. There he is, Nico Medved, one of the uh, great coaches. I was going to say young coach. He's a young coach. There's nothing. It's not like an insult by saying that. You know, my, my I'm, I've am i been president of the Nico Medved fan club for a long time. Uh, 
Yeah, three oh, no, I'm, three I'm straight 20-win seasons, NCAA's there. Now you're out because he likes Coach too, K? Too much nice comments about Coach K. Too many. He th- These are weird positions, right? Oh, yeah. With the David Roddy deal? Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, it changes kind of the complexion of your team, right? And that's I don't know. How do you prep for that? I know. And Especially I, if the process takes a while. And you're like, okay, well, there goes 18 and 9 with my 6'5, 250 power forward. Well, also, it's it's like constructing a team. And I know he can't really say it. So I, I asked him the question, but like, how do you, you, do you recruit guys to play around him and to base your offense around him? Or are you like, hey, let's just build a team. And if he's there, then we'll figure it out. But like, it is two different kind of recruiting philosophies going into this. So it, it's a tough spot for a coach. Finley Toyota, they'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, dude. They were just showing highlights of the women's tournament. Did you see that choked out by Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah. Trying to bring, bring the, the ball steal. up the floor and the stupid spin dribble well, at midcourt. It could lead to what's a, what could be about to happen right now. Like, if if there's anybody I want knocked out of a tournament more than Shashevsky, it's Oriema. Connecticut down two here, four minutes left. All right. If and NC State didn't get by Notre Dame, they wouldn't have had a chance to beat UConn. One, two uh, in that Bridgeport region. So, yeah, 57 55, NC State up on. On UConn. Stick your hand in there, Dave. We were just talking to Colorado State head coach Nico Medved. He is one of those guys who I think is going to kick ass in the transfer portal. Sure. Because I know people down here don't look at Boise or Wyoming or Colorado State as attractive places to go. How would you rank them? If you were a transfer and you had a chance to go to one of them, uh, Colorado State one, Boise two. Are you counting? You counting just where to go or like program and everything? Everything. I would say Colorado State one. I mean, I know. Boise's two I know. to where to live, but I wouldn't want to play for them. Um, like I think I'd rather play for Linder, but I don't want to go to Laramie, Wyoming. No. I just can't do it. No. Colorado State's Fort Collins is kind of close to Denver. It doesn't matter. It's actually a cool college town. It is. It's, one of the, it's actually one of the rare, like, true college towns. Like, it feels like a college town. I would say Colorado State is one, two, and three. Okay. But I bet you he hauls in some pretty good people from the transfer portal. Yeah. Because if you notice, they also they lost uh, one of their backups who used to play a lot, but the talent's just gotten better. And Adam Thistlewood, who's, you know, six seven three point shooter, and Deshaun Thomas. Most important player. Who was going off on that? Who had never was, seen, clearly was, never was, seen was Colorado the, State whoever play? Whoever was doing the radio broadcast in the tournament. Oh, going crazy that they have to get Deshaun Thomas involved in the yeah. second half because he had like the greatest first half of his career. Yeah. But he made like three threes or four threes. They're like just they, not getting him involved. They got to get him He, he, he hasn't been involved all year. It was a miracle the first half. <laughs> what are you talking about? So silly. So he's got more openings on his team. And David Roddy could go. Um, we kind of snuck it in there, but big news locally. Not surprising news, but Bryce Hamilton's going to the NBA. Um, I think he's been invited to uh, Portsmouth. So he's done. And he's actually done at a young age. Yeah. He's a young senior. He's not even 22, I think. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. The holdbacks. 
There will be holdbacks who will start playing their freshman year this year at 19 and a half or 20. And Bryce just got out of his 21st year. I think he just turned 22. Yeah, he, I mean, if, it was a kind of a big story when he came to campus and was incredibly young. And so now four years later, seems time kind of, it kind of flew by, but also it was a long time. You don't think he gets ago? right into the NBA, right? You think he has to work his way in? And is he a wing, yeah. is he a wing prospect or a point guard? Maybe wing, but I think he has to be. I think he's got to be a combo and play some point. He played some point. He played a lot of point last year when they, they just ran out of bodies. Yeah, uh, it was certainly not his best position. He's. I mean, that's why he wasn't gone to the NBA sooner. By the way, I mean he he doesn't he doesn't have an ideal position necessarily. Uh, not prototypical size, and his his jumper isn't at an elite level, but he can just score. So, you know, there's room for those guys somewhere. Usually it's not the NBA right away. But we'll see. If somebody needs a guy that can just go get buckets, he's a guy. I hope he makes it. He was really good for UNLV, and uh, I saw a super fan, uh, our buddy uh, Oblad, was saying, basically said thanks to him for staying through all the tumult. It's like five coaches ago that he got together. It's crazy, right? <laughs> it's nuts. Stick your hand in there, Dave. The other crazy thing with the portal is you're starting to see people come around for like the second and third time that, you know, you recruited three coaching staffs ago, two coaching staffs ago. According to John Rothstein, who I, I don't think would just throw this out there, and I'm not sure who the source on this is. It could, if it's the player, you know, did he really get a call from everyone? Anyway, long story short, Ethan Anderson was one of the commits of Marvin Menzies before Menzies got fired, uh, along with, uh, what, a Jersey kid, Pierre Lewis. And why am I blanking on the other one? Because it was actually a big name. I thought it was a pretty big name crew. But anyway, uh, Ethan Anderson, L.A. kid who went to USC. He's in the transfer portal. And according to Rothstein, UNLV has some interest. Well, I'm sure UNLV has interest. You mean there's mutual interest? You have to read it again. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, UNLV sure. has interest. Yeah, yeah. just because they made a call doesn't mean the kid yeah. is interested. But he sure. did commit here once yeah. to a different staff. Yeah. But he must have liked Vegas to a certain extent. I think they have to be – they have a lot of guards. Okay. They have some guards coming back. I think they have to be this point guard, whoever they bring in as a, another option of point guard, they got to be like, they got to freaking nail it. So, one is the person going to play defense. And two, they've got to be a little more complete offensively. So, I'm sure they're looking to upgrade pretty good to get into the mix with McCabe and with uh, Keyshawn Gilbert. No question about it. And there's a lot of work to do on the roster between now and then. And I think there'll be a very different looking team next year. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I saw that your guy, Andre Corbello, he's going to be leaving Illinois. Makes sense. I mean, he's he's up and down inconsistent, and it seemed like they reached their breaking point because they didn't play him in the second half of the tournament loss. It seemed like Brad Underwood was like, all right, that's enough. But he reminds me of Keyshawn Gilbert a lot. Just makes things happen. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. And one last note, Albert Pujols, back to St. Louis. I mean, <laughs> oh, I guess boy. he needs a job. Those A lot of those fans don't deserve it. They treated him really poorly, really poorly. A lot of hate spewed his way in 2011.